Hey moms, welcome to this episode of the Dorenda Wilson podcast. I'm Dorenda, wife to one, mom to eight, Nana to 10 and 29 year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of three books, two homeschooling books and one devotional. You can find both of those at DorendaWilson.com or on Amazon. I would love for you to leave a rating or review if you have a minute to do that. If you don't, it's not a big deal, but all that happens when you do that is the platforms take the podcast and they put it in front of more moms so more moms can be encouraged. Um, Also, I wanted to let you know that at my website, there is a search bar. I have almost 500 episodes. I'll have 500, I think, in the early spring So there is a lot of content on the podcast. And so there are a lot of things I've talked about that you may not know I've talked about. So if you go to the podcast page of my website, there's a search bar at the top and you put in a keyword and episodes will come up on that topic. I will leave a link in the show notes. Also, are you looking for a great math program? CTC Math provides online video tutorials that make learning math easy and effective by using creative graphics and animation that are sure to grab and keep your child's attention. Here's a great testimonial from Lori. She said that one day, my 10-year-old was in tears over math. I tried my best to help, but ended up in tears as well. We prayed together, and that very night, I received an email offer for CTC Math. The following Monday, we reviewed the curriculum together. She was willing to give it a shot, and we have never looked back. So moms, start your free trial today by visiting ctcmath.com, and I'll leave a link in the show notes. So homesteading is becoming increasingly popular for many reasons. I think this is actually a really good thing because it is encouraging a much healthier lifestyle and a return to nature. I think we could all use a little more of that, right? But it can also become a source of covetousness, jealousy, competition, discontent. Um, It can cause a myriad of, of sin, actually, because we get so focused on this idea or this trend or whatever that we think is going to, um, you know, somehow solve many of our woes. And so I think this is where things can diverge a little bit. But we raised our kids in the country um, and we were homesteading long before it was a thing. Um, When we were doing it, um, it was like country bumpkins do it and that's it. Like this was not a trendy thing. Nobody thought it was cool. (laughs) Um, And I can tell you that it's not all fun and games and it certainly isn't idyllic. It can be at moments, um, but overall, um, the reason that we did it was because God called us to until our kids started launching and he didn't. And so that's something I'm going to be talking about today. But speaking of launching, I want to tell you about an amazing summer leadership camp that my friends at XL College host. It's no secret that now more than ever, it is vital for our teens to learn to think critically and live wisely as they navigate the world and become who God made them to be. My friends at XL College are passionate about helping young leaders learn to discover God's truth, discern wisely, and live wholeheartedly and have fun doing it. If the teenager in your home wants to grow in their faith while building lifelong friendships and going on the adventure of a lifetime, send them to Excel College's Summer Leadership Camp. It's trans- it's a transformative journey where they will go on thrilling adventures like camping, rock climbing, and whitewater rafting and receive expert training 
and certifications in categories from CPR to wilderness first aid. So you can apply now at thexlcamp.org. Select Dorenda Wilson for $100 off the camp. I will leave a link in the show notes for that. So again, today I wanted to tell our family's homesteading story because it really is, it's a God story. So when our kids were very young, um, I knew from the very beginning that I wanted to raise our kids out in the country, um, but we didn't live in the country at the time. And my husband was in agreement as well. And so that was just sort of a goal of ours to get out to the country at some point. And, you know, that actually did not happen until our oldest was 12. And so we just continued to... um, I think we've told our story before about how we, uh, how the Lord grew um, our finances over the years, in spite of the fact that we, um, in, in spite of the fact that we lived on one income, very modest income um, that was providing for ten people, and this is something that God can do. Um, I know that we live in a culture where it's very difficult to get ahead right now. The economy makes it very difficult, but I'm telling you, it is no obstacle to God, okay? So um, we eventually wanted to get there. We, We weren't in a huge hurry. We just kept taking the next step. Um, we just kind of just kept doing the next thing that God put put in front of us to do. At one point, we were um, in debt and um, really, really struggling financially. We had to make some huge changes. Um, and it was from that time on, there, there was a shift that happened um, in our finances. Um, and so we... What, what God ended up leading us to do. And this wasn't like, oh, this is this big long-term plan and that's how we're gonna get to our goal. It was like, okay, this looks like the next logical thing where we can make some money on this, okay? So we'd live in a house and then the market would go up and we would sell it. And then we would buy another house that just basically needed cosmetics. And we would go in and we would, and not like massive cosmetics, but, you know, paint and just cleaning up and maybe refinishing floors, things like that. We sort of kind of lived in some of our projects. Um, And we just, it was like the Lord just kept moving us every few years into another house and we would make a little more money and more money. And then there were a couple where we did really, really well on. And so eventually, like I said, we were able to move out to the country. We also moved from a more expensive side of the state to a less expensive side side of the state. And that was a really good move for us. And so that's actually the point at which we were able to move out into the country. And so... Um, one of the reasons, well, there were many reasons that we wanted to raise our kids in the country and many reasons we wanted to have animals and all of that. Um, I think the top reasons were we wanted to do this for the kids. We wanted our kids to learn these skills and we actually wanted to be learning some of these skills. We wanted our kids to grow up in the country when we wanted them to be out in nature Um and my daughter, our second daughter, Jenna, jokes all the time. She's like, Mom, you were homesteading before it was a thing. You were homesteading before it was trendy or popular. I'm like, yeah, that's it's really true. Um, because it, there was something else motivating um, us to do that. And honestly, you, you can't do this lifestyle without having a bigger why. Why are we doing this? And so our big why 
was one that we felt God was calling us to that. But also, like I said, we wanted our kids to learn skills. We wanted to learn skills. We wanted to learn things like making cheese, making butter, milking cows, you know, all those kinds of things. And so we had those experiences. I think the only thing we we didn't ever have was pigs. Um, we did horses and ponies and a llama and we did sheep and we did goats and we did a uh, milking cow a couple of times. Um, chickens pretty much the whole time. Um, also, we, we, we thought, <laughs> we thought, oh, this will save us money too. Well, can I just say homesteading is not cheap. And depending on where you live, it can really make a difference in whether or not it's cost effective. So um, we lived in a place that had four to five months of snow, which means our cows couldn't grass uh, feed, our sheep couldn't grass feed, our goats couldn't grass feed during the winter. We had to provide hay and and then, of course, the grain for the milking uh, ones. And it was like, okay, this is, this is actually costing us more. Now, we had better food. But, um, and we had the experiences, but there was a point at which when we were pretty far down the road that my husband was like, okay, this milking cow is costing us too much. If we try to leave town, we have to pay someone to milk them. That's another thing you have to consider. So these are, these were just all obstacles that we ran into, um, that we had to overcome. And again, you know, our kids sludged through winters with their buckets, um, to go milk the cow, to feed the cow when it was dark and snowing and 17 degrees. And, but these were all great experiences for them. They understand hardship. They understand how to persevere, how to to be resilient. And so, so many things that our kids learned more than we actually expected from that experience. And so, um, I was glad we went into it with a strong why. And um, I remember in the middle of it, I looked at my husband and said, you know, if it weren't for the kids, I would not be doing this. Like, this is a lot of work. And I'm not afraid of hard work, but moms, let me tell you, this, this sort of like takes you into a whole new level partly because of the really, really harsh winters. Um, so that period of our life, um, I just thought, okay, we're, we're in this, we're in this for a while, like we're gonna do this. And then our older kids started leaving home. We started losing a big portion of the workforce and we were looking at each other going, is this something we want to keep doing? Because even our middle children were getting older. They, they were doing some other things like football and drama, which were things we wanted them to do. We wanted them to have other experiences besides just the farm experience. And so, and my husband had this dream of um, opening an Airbnb, like a vacation rental, but we couldn't afford it to do it where we were and we weren't in a good location for that. And he kept wanting to sell the house. And I was like pushing, pushing, pushing back all the time because I was like, look, we built this house as a family. I don't want to sell this place. Like this was our kind of our dream home. We thought it was our final resting place. We had property um, where we felt like, you know, if the kids wanted to um, build houses on it, um, that they could. And that was actually one of my husband's goals in getting on property as well, is to provide that for our kids to give them a leg up, which I thought was a really wonderful, sweet, perfect, great thing to be doing. And I was fully on board with it. And then our first two daughters got married and neither of our sons-in-law were interested at all. And I think it was mainly because they were at the very beginning of their marriages and they wanted to prove themselves. They didn't want anybody giving them anything. And I respected them for that. So I just kind of looked at my husband and went, you know, maybe this isn't something the kids are going to want to do. And, 
you know, like this is a lot of work. Do we want to keep doing this? Do we want to keep maintaining all of this as we're getting older and all of that? Is this what we want to do the rest of our lives? And we decided, no, it wasn't. And so at that point, um, the Lord really changed my heart. And I said, okay. Um, Because like I said, I was actually pushing back for quite a long time. And it was actually becoming a little bit of a dividing factor in our marriage. I mean, my husband wasn't trying to push it, but every time he brought it up, I would would kind of get mad. And finally, the Lord just convicted me. It was like, Dorinda, you need to remember your vows. Like you... Uh, promise to honor uh, your husband and respect him, and he's been uh, he's been he's been patient. Like he's not forcing you to do anything. Um, why don't you at least just yield this to me? So I did. I yielded it to him, and I said, "Lord, whatever you want, change one of our minds so that this is not anything that's going to bring division in our marriage. I don't want that." And I thought for sure he was going to change my husband's mind, but oh no, nope, that's not what happened. God changed my mind. And so long story short, we sold our house. We moved into town, uh, just a small town where our kids were involved in a lot of things and thought, okay, for the next couple of years, this is probably a good place for us to be because our kids, it'll put us closer to everything and we won't have all that driving in the snow and all that. So we did that. And so we were there for a couple of years and we were just feeling directionless still like, okay, I don't think we're supposed to stay here, but we don't know where to go. Anyway, long story short, we took a trip to North Carolina. Like it was like our second or third trip. We decided, my husband decided to uh, to buy an Airbnb there because he found a town that had tourism and um, low real estate prices. And then at one point he looked at me and said, what do you think about just moving there? Because we were just going to have somebody else run it. And I was like, I think. I think this is what God wants us to do. It's like, I just knew. So long story short, we made this big move across the country. And then I sort of launched into the whole menopause thing, perimenopause. I don't even know what the right order is. All I know is my cycles were changing. They were getting heavier. Um, I could tell I was heading that direction, lots of hormone imbalances and things like that. And so the next few years were just a struggle physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, living in a new place where we didn't know anybody. Our kids were launching and so much going on with them. I just felt like my my brain could not catch up with my body. I just never had enough time for that. And, um, and it was really really affecting me. And so those were some serious struggles, years of struggle. And so I will tell that story in another podcast episode because I think it's important for us to be talking about that journey more um, because I think our moms don't talk about it. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't know why, um, or they just say, oh, it's terrible. And that's all they tell you, not, hey, this is what I could have done differently. So I'm hoping to do another episode on that. But um, let's stick to the topic here. Uh, now, fast forward, um, most of you know the CPS story um, where we had a run-in with CPS and our grandson, CPS actually threatening to take our grandson away and under false pre- pretenses. Everything was fabricated. It was made up. Um, it was it was quite a story. I'll leave a link in the show notes. But there was a point at which my son came in and he, the, 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 you know, the father of our grandson, and he just said, man, I don't want to live in town anymore. I just I just feel so accessible here. I just feel tense all the time after that experience of having CPS show up on our door just out of whim, you know. 
And so anyway, I said, well, I don't think now's a good time to make this decision. Um, we're all pretty raw. And he's like, yeah, you're right. So we, we prayed about it. It was really just a few weeks later that we started talking about it more. Long story short, we ended up buying a house out in the country on 11 acres. Eventually, we added 10 more acres to that. So we have 21 in a house. And um, our son and daughter-in-law moved their tiny house here. Our other daughter bought a tiny house, and she's got that here. And now um, um, our daughter and her husband and kids are moving into our finished downstairs as they transition onto their part of the property. Um, They're going to put a house on their part of the property, but they have to make improvements and all that. So um, so basically we're going to have, well, soon to be six grandkids literally living right around us. And um, we already had one um, and one coming in January, and then we add, we're adding four more. Um, so anyway, we moved to the country. I'm going to back up just a little bit. We moved to the country, and I'm honestly still not feeling the homestead thing, even though my kids keep talking about it. And I'm thinking to myself, you foolish children, you have no idea. I'm like, well, they, they, they do know. They experienced it, but they were never in charge of it, right? <laughs> it's different when you're a kid and your mom says, go do this and go do that. But when you're in charge, oh my gosh. So um, it's just a lot when you're responsible for the big cow and if the big cow gets sick or hurt or whatever, and decisions that have to be made and feed and, you know, they didn't, that wasn't their problem. They just saw the animals, dealt with the animals, fed the animals, milked, did all that. Um, but the problems weren't theirs to solve. So I'm thinking they're naive, they don't understand, and it's just way too much work, and I don't really want to do this. And so I'm kicking and screaming. I'm going, no, this isn't happening. You all can do what you want. Like, here's the property, here's the garden, have at it. I'm going to go do something else. I'm just not feeling it. So I had zero, zero desire to homestead. I've, I've been there, done that, got the T-shirt. Um, and so, the, and I'm also seeing it be really trendy. And so I'm like, yeah, everybody wants to do it. So, um, but I know my kids, they don't do stuff just because it's trendy. In fact, they, they're more like me. If it's trendy, we're not doing it, which isn't exactly the greatest, wisest way to make decisions. But it actually can be helpful because if everybody's doing it, maybe it's not a good thing to do. Um, and so anyway, all that to say, um, I began to just really pray Um, not about homesteading, just about several questions that I had um, and that my husband had. And what started the conversation is what I uh, talked about in a previous episode on concerns, uh, thoughts on concerns about 2024, told that story about how my husband and I just were like, something's going to go down in 2024. Not not something, like many somethings. It's going to be wild. And that's based on um, what we've seen, um, you know, the powers that be are capable of. We're not afraid of them. We don't want to be afraid of them. We don't need to be afraid of them. But that's kind of that was kind of my starting point. I'm like, it's kind of freaking me out a little bit. So I just went to prayer. And I was just like, Lord, I'm going to go to prayer. And I'm going to be in your word. And I'm going to talk to you about this. And I'm going to tell you all my concerns. And it wasn't very long before God just basically was like, Dorinda, listen, when I allow hard times, that is when the church grows and thrives. And I was talking to my daughter-in-law the other day. We were talking about how sleepy our culture is spiritually. And how there just needs to be an awakening. And I think there's been some of that, but there's um, more of a need for it. And so why would I want to keep that from happening 
when ultimately it's going to be for the good of the body of Christ, that we are going to grow and we're going to grow together and we're going to really know what's important. And so, um, and experience God moving and providing on our behalf. Uh, moms, I've been through hard times before. I've been through, uh, you know, times when we hardly had any money. And you know what? I am so glad that we experience that because it makes me not afraid. It makes me go, God, you have provided. You have been faithful. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever, and you will continue to be faithful. So God has continued to just put this this hope in me, which is what I was praying for. My husband and I are both praying. We want to be men and women of the word, men and women of prayer, men and women of hope, that we can speak hope and live in a hopeful way in the midst of whatever is going to unfold. So that was our first prayer. and um, But we had had several um, other prayers um, that we had been praying for quite a long time, and I'll share those in just a minute. But um, so I sort of began to have this renewed purpose that began to unfold after just yielding and praying, God, would you help me? Please, Lord, I want to glorify and honor you in all this. When this is all said and done and all the difficulty passes and I go on to heaven, I want to know that I have been a faithful servant. This is all temporary. So this, but this is our opportunity to glorify God in the midst of difficulty that we'll never face again on the other side of eternity. Okay, so we've got this opportunity to just love and serve God in spite of the circumstances, to be salt and light, to be an encouragement to one another. And so, as as I was yielding and praying about this, um, the Lord just started to unfold. A, a different why when it comes to homesteading. So he has turned my heart back towards it, um, not because I feel like it is the end all, the answer to every problem or that everyone should be doing it. And this podcast is not going to turn into a homesteading podcast. But there might be some times when I share some things that I feel like would be valuable to the audience as a whole, and it might be homestead related, but it would be a bigger lesson. And that's kind of why I'm doing this episode is I wanted to share our story because I want you to see how God brings us through different seasons. I never anticipated two months ago, if you would have said, oh, Dorinda, you're going to be totally on fire to homestead in two months. I would have said, you are nuts. You're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. I want nut- I didn't even want to put live plants in my pots on the front porch because I was like, I don't want to take care of anything. <laughs> I, you know, it's like I've been, I'm a nurturer and all of that, but I'm now nurturing through the podcast. I'm nurturing through speaking and writing. I'm nurturing my, you know, my children, my grown children, my uh, grandchildren, you know, because our family has multiplied and there's relationships to maintain. So I don't, I felt like maybe I would be wasting time that could be used on people and I would be using them on plants. And why would I do that? So that was kind of my mentality for a long, long time. So folks, yes, I did. I had plastic grass in my my pots on the front porch. Um, Guess what's in there now? Mums, live mums, not fake ones. Um, So anyway, so as the Lord has been 
firing up my heart towards this. And and part of it is also because our daughter and her kids have moved on and her husband have moved onto the property. And it makes it seem a lot more doable because she's really, really knowledgeable about animals. So she would be right here to check out because animals intimidate me. Um, they're a lot less predictable than plants in the garden. So I'm great at the gardening thing. And she was always really good with the animals. So all that to say, she would be here to help us with anything, and she loves researching that stuff. And um, so, and we've got a, little, a few more hands to help. The little ones um, are getting older. You know, they're the oldest is nine. He could certainly they could be doing some things. And so, all of a sudden, I started to just get this vision, this new why. Um, but the motivation behind it was really different. Um, in many ways, not in every way, but in many ways than it was the first time. So that's the part that needed to change. And I didn't even realize it. Um, One of the things that I'm really noticing is that the Lord has really kind of pivoted me towards a more holistic approach this time around. Um, And now, granted, I didn't spray my plant. I was all about organic and not spraying and all of that. I've always been keen on that. But um, but what I mean by holistic is actually um, really embracing the lifestyle, um, the slowing down. Now, when we had a, a farm or a homestead before, it was like, you know, we had eight kids, we were homeschooling, we had to kind of keep moving along. So there wasn't a lot of time to stop and just really relish and take in what we had and what we were doing because there were there was a lot to do and it was great and it was wonderful and God gave me the energy to do it. And I quite frankly, one of the reasons I didn't want to do it now is because I know I don't have the energy that I used to. However, so taking this holistic approach um, and reali- I realized that this was in fact the answer to multiple prayers that my husband and I had been praying for for quite a while. I mentioned this earlier. So I'm going to go through what some of these what these prayers have been, um, and this is how I know that God is leading because this making this move is answering a myriad like most of the prayers that we've been praying for a while that we haven't had answers to. Okay, so the first question: How do we stay healthy as we grow older? Okay, so how do we keep a healthy lifestyle? I I mean, I know I could go to the gym. I hate the gym. I walk 45 minutes every day. I do strength training and stretching. But really, as a as a person um, who's who's getting older, and even in you know my earlier years, I had kids to keep me running, busy, physical, and now I don't. And so you know, podcasting, I'm sitting; writing, I'm sitting, and so I need something to help me be outside even more, be more active, have you know, and so. All of a sudden, I realized that homesteading provides that healthy lifestyle that is conducive to growing older. Um, There are going to be less and less things that my husband and I can do, but with homesteading, you're going to try to do as much as you can for as long as you can. Um, Also, health-wise, the simplicity of just being super present um, in in terms of, um, you know, just daily rhythms, seasonal rhythms, um, also, we're going to have to use our minds to problem solve and, you know, keep uh, forward thinking as we continue to to grow and sort of 
hone in on our particular homestead and um, we're going to make mistakes. We're going to need to rethink things. And so that uses our minds. It uses our bodies. Um, Another question is we have to be prepared to slow down, right? Over the, over the coming years, maybe not quite yet, but I've slowed down since I've, you know, been in menopause. And so that that changes your body. And as you get older, you you don't quite have the energy that you used to. And so we want to do that in a way uh, that's healthy without becoming lazy or becoming unfruitful. And so we know the typical mentality of retired people is, I did my thing. I worked hard for years. I deserve to just play golf and sit on my laurels, do whatever I want, take vacations. And, and none of that is wrong, but it's not really investing in the next generation. And it's not it's it's it, in many ways it's not conducive to to a healthy mental emotional and spiritual life because there's not the giving and the sacrificing that you make um, when you are in a situation where you have to continually be considering other people and you know when you live on a homestead with uh, you know even your own family and they have their own families you know so it's like a whole bunch of nests in one spot. You have to be respectful of the boundaries of the of the nests, and you have to be thinking about what's what's helpful and, and then what is not helpful um, in terms of like what's your place as a, a grandparent, what's your place as a parent, um, and so there's having to work with other people, um, also young people who are you know they're quick and they're they're you know hanging around with with younger people, especially my younger people. They're fun and they're quick and their jokes are like, they just move along really quickly. So it's going to keep our minds healthy. Um, Another question, how can we provide a full inheritance for our kids and grandkids? And what I mean by that is not just a, oh, here's money or here's our land and our house. Um, That's part of it. But how can we give them an inheritance of a healthy lifestyle of speaking into their lives as um, the next generation up? So they've got a couple of generations speaking into their lives, um, giving them opportunities to be physically active, um, to be mentally, emotionally, and spiritually healthy as we have them outside and working and productive and thinking and problem solving and learning. Um, this is something we can give to our kids. I, you know, one of our, our pastor, you, you guys know Wes, he's been on several times, but he mentioned on Sunday, like we live in an economy that's actually moving from a capitalistic where you, if you just work hard enough, you can get ahead to a little more of a caste type system where it's very difficult to move ahead. And so without the help of parents or, uh, you know, something along those lines, um, it's harder for them to move, for for y'all to move ahead. Not impossible though. Like I said, no obstacle is too big for God. So I, I, I believe that, but I also believe God is an overcomer and he blesses his people and will provide. So don't be discouraged by that. Just know that it's hard because it actually is harder now than it used to be. You look back and you're like, are we failing? Are we, you know, and there's maybe things we can tweak, but at the end of the day, um, it is harder to get ahead now. Don't let that stop you. Don't let that slow down your determination, but do let it turn into, God, we need your help. Help us to be able to get ahead and get to the places that we want to be financially and maybe physically where we want to live and all that. 
So another question we had is how can we create a place here on our property that is a refuge and an escape from the unhealthy practices of our culture? So we've got all the social media and all the screens and all this um, uh, this big cultural shift. It's all like crashing down, like it's coming down on us and we can feel it and it's suffocating. I saw a video the other day of a mom who was standing in the doorway of a, a public restroom at a park, keeping a man who was dressed like a woman from going into the restroom because her little 15-year-old daughter needed to use the restroom and she was not about to let that man and he was a man into that restroom. And so there's more and more of that type of thing out there. And so what we need to focus on is creating a place, whether we have property or not, a place that is a refuge and an escape from the unhealthy practices of our culture. So we do so by returning to creational rhythms. Now, we are not worshiping creation. We are not putting this on um, in an un. Uh, in a, in a place that is not its rightful place. God is on the throne. And so we don't worship creation, but God has created it for our good. And I believe there's a lot to learn and draw from it. I um, leave a, a link in the show notes for uh, creating seasonal uh, rhythms with our kids. That was a really good podcast that I did um, with a guest, um, but I'll leave that link in the show notes. Another question we had was how can we provide for ourselves and others in the midst of a tumultuous time if there are um, if there are shortages and the supply chain gets disrupted? Um, can we care for ourselves? But even more than that, are we in a position? that um, we have, are we positioned well way ahead of time so that we can bless others and be a help to others. And so we also want our home and our property to be a place of refuge, physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. Another question, how can we be less dependent on institutions and organizations? Now, when we went through COVID, we realized, okay, there are institutions that we depend on, the public park, the gym, right? So what can we do to create a space here where we don't need those things? My husband set up a gym down in the basement and my daughter and her son are bringing a big play set um, that they have from their house over here. And so we'll have a place where we can invite moms to come and hang out and play. Um, so so, so those things, if they ever happen again, are just a bump. They're a bump. Like they're not even a bump. They don't even affect us because we are not dependent on institutions and organizations um, nearly as much as we used to be. Another question, how can we become more of a producer than a consumer, which is basically that is the heart of a homesteading mentality. So you can do that anywhere. You can do that in town. Um, you can do that wherever you are. Start to become more of a producer than a consumer. Start with, you know, what are the foods that you eat all the time? Okay, how can you make those yourself? Maybe you go to the store and buy bread and you're going to decide to do sourdough and start making your own bread. So, I mean, that's just an example. There are other things that you can you can uh, do to to cover that. It's a different for everybody. And then, how can we connect in real life with people in our community? We've had a hard time out here in the country because um, we don't know anybody. Um, we've got a lot going on here, and so we've 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 met a few of our neighbors. But when you have a homestead and you have things going on on your homestead. It requires a lot of times, you know, your cow gets out and your neighbor's like, hey, your cow's over here. And then you get to talking with them. 
Or you're asking about, you know, is there somebody who can come and disc my garden? And all of a sudden, you know your neighbor up the road. And so, oh, we have eggs to sell if anybody wants, you know, so that it's a way for us to start really connecting with people in our new community. And then how do we reduce the costs, our costs? of our food while eating healthier and eating more of what we grow ourselves. And so with homesteading, you can keep an extra beef cow. Um, That's one of the things, ideas we have um, that we basically sell in parts. You know, maybe we're selling quarters to people who want grass-fed beef. Um, We are buying an incubator to sell chicks in the spring. Um, both to add to our flock and to sell to people who want to buy chicks. Um, they won't be have any, you know, shots or anything. They'll just be pure, pure little chicks because that's that's what we bought was pure little chicks. Um, so all that to say, I wasn't ready to homestead before before now because God hadn't shifted my perspective and given me a clear why. I needed something more than just emotion or trends to drive my decisions. And so um, so this is where we're sitting. All of those prayers were answered for us through moving toward homesteading. And, and this is what I find God does when he answers, um, when he takes you a direction, it often answers multiple prayers. And so I'm just here to say, God is faithful. I'm telling you my story because I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt from someone who is down the road um, that God is faithful. One of my favorite passages is um, in Lamentations. It says, uh, this I recall and therefore have hope that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. And so we know that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We do not have to fear the future. We do need to press in, though, and ask him for wisdom and clarity. So I hope our story was a was an encouragement to you. And... Um, I'm going to just share with you just maybe you're curious, like, where are we in this process right now? Um, Right now, we are currently waiting for a quote to clear some land across our driveway to plant native grass and um, in order to create a cow pasture for both beef and a milk cow. Now, many of you know that our family has had gluten and dairy issues. And so this has been another matter of prayer. I said, Lord, I really want to be able to provide our milk and our bread. So I ask that you would help me um, as I look for A2 milk. Um, Some of you might know about that. Some of you might not. It's it's basically what milk used to be before it was commercialized. It's different. What you get off the shelf is different. And the A2 milk can be very, very healing um, and can actually reverse milk allergies. And so that's a whole other, that could be a whole other podcast. Let me know if you want to hear about that. Um, And, uh, and, and I'm doing sourdough and using um, ancient grains like spelt. So we're going to give this a whirl and see how everybody does. But I'm just praying, God, would you please just let these things agree with our systems so that we don't have to buy oat milk, almond milk, coconut milk anymore, but we can actually provide our own milk for ourselves. Some of you listening might be like, 
aren't you vegan? Like, didn't you talk about being vegan several months ago? Yes, I was vegan for seven months and I loved eating that way. I really did enjoy it. Um, However, I've learned from my biofeedback clinic that um, there's some amino acids that are really difficult to get, some enzymes and things that are really difficult to get outside of meat. Um, I think if you're adding some fish back in um, and maybe a little chicken, you'd be fine. But I will say that... um, I did feel great on that. I mean, in terms of just, I enjoyed it. I loved the food and I would have continued doing it, but then I had to go on a leaky gut diet and that involved um, protein and veggies and very little fruit. Anyway, all that to say, um, I'm back to like, okay, let's go back to what would we, they have done 200 years ago? Well, they would have made sourdough and they would have milked a cow. So we're going to, we're going to go back to that. We have very strong, um, Northwestern Europe, uh, European roots. And I have this theory that if you eat, uh, what you're, you know, like most of what you're because we're mostly Dutch, I can go back to that and say, okay, I'm, we're going to just kind of look at what did they eat and what were were the things that they tended to um, to eat, and that we, that our bodies actually can um, process that better. So that's just a theory. We're just having fun with that. My daughter and I are talking about that. Um, so we're we're getting a quote on clearing the land. We're getting a quote on putting in solar power. We're buying an incubator to hatch more chicks in the spring for ourselves and to sell. Um, we're reading through a book by Melissa Norris um, from Pioneering Today on growing a garden that will sustain your family for a year and planning accordingly. I will be having her on the podcast as well. Um, I, we're, I'm watching a webinar tomorrow with my daughter-in-law on beginning homesteading so that I can brush up and uh, uh, learn more uh, to help prepare us. Um, but the point of my story is to encourage you to listen to the Lord's voice, to press in and do what he calls you to do. Again, homesteading is not our salvation. It's not for everyone. So if you homeschool and don't homestead, don't worry. God has you right where he wants you in this moment. And there are things to learn and aspects of your situation that are perfect for homeschooling your kids. Homeschool from where you live. A side note, if you would like them to learn about homesteading, even though you're not on one, um, I just did a podcast episode on a homestead science curriculum that we're actually going to be using. So I'll leave a link in the show notes for that. And if you long to live in the country, give those desires to God. Pray and ask him to open doors and give you wisdom on how to move in that direction. Pray with your husband and your kids and, and just watch what God does. In the meantime, practice contentment and the place that you are right now. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to... Um, speak encouragement into the lives of these moms. I pray that as each of these moms just sort of probably possibly has a lot of thoughts swirling, I ask that you would pull down the ones that are from you and put them front and center. Give moms wisdom and clarity and vision for what you have for their family right now and for what you might possibly have in the future. We thank you that you're faithful and that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. the way that you are not putting all these expectations on us that we feel, that we imagine, um, that other people might throw on us, Lord. We thank you so much that we can right now in this moment take those 
inadequacies, take those expectations and lay them at your feet. Lord, we come to you and we lay them at your feet and we acknowledge that you are God and we are not. And we praise you and thank you for your faithfulness that every single day, your mercies are new for each and every day. Lord, may we grasp that each morning and move forward walking in obedience to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.